Hello, 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 and welcome to the Akash and Friends podcast. We are back with yet another episode with a good old friend, a person who I haven't had a chance to hang out with much. So it should be a nice discoverable kind of discovery. Ep- I don't know what the fuck it is, but give it up for Radhika Vaz. Thank you so much for joining us today, Radhika. Oh, you're so welcome, Akash. It's it's gonna be a fair bit of lag here. I have a feeling we're gonna get a lot of lag today. Uh, this Gurgaon Baroda connection is becoming uh, Haan, is, is okay, a long it. connection. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Let me also. Are you on? Uh, well, you between Baroda and Gurgaon, I am on my home Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay. I I think then it's my Wi-Fi. But my home Wi-Fi is, is pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. So then it's mine, which is okay. It'll get done in a second. Wait. Oh, great. Love it. Okay. Now this should work. Okay. Let's see if there's a lag now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh yes, lag is gone. Okay. <laughs> That is, you see that person walking upper se peaches. That's the yes. yeah. That's Devanshi. I mean, Baroda recording a music album, believe it or not, and Devanshi is recording BTS for the music album. You're you're a musician. I I also didn't know. Bolo. <laughs> I really did not. But what kind of music? Now it's become I, my podcast. I've I've got all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's 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 such a conversation. It's I mo- I absolutely welcome questions uh, because who doesn't like talking about themselves? Themselves, uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I I know I was a musician first, and then I became a comic, and now okay. I'm. Uh, so the pandemic made me realize that if you know mortality is probably like closer than expected. You know so that I Eddie forget. Eddie Eddie Murphy recorded like a single back in the day. Did you ever listen yeah. to that? Yeah, but this is like a this is like a proper serious album album. Like okay, it's and so and like it's, you've written yeah. the lyrics and you're doing the vocals and the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I these are old songs. Like they're all like six, eight years old, and I've been I've worked on them and worked on them, and everyone's been like record them, record them, and now my friend who is a musician properly yeah. has a recording studio here, so he's producing it. Oh, very and cool. I'm, yeah. I'm quite glad. That's why I was saying that I might come to Delhi still. In, uh, in when you said month. album, I was under the impression it was like a comedy album, like you were going to do, like you know, like a comedy album. And it would be I weird with seven people. It would be weird with seven people, but nonetheless, weirder <laughs> fucking comedians do weirder shit than that. So I was like, Akash is a fucking entourage man. He's going to come with seven people. So yeah, okay, very nice. Mm. I'm impressed, man. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I don't know if you got a chance, got a chance to see any of the other episodes uh, before no, we, we did this. No, I didn't. Huh. That's how I Is like it. No? Then, then I can corner you. Oh, properly. okay, good, good. Because I, <laughs> I realized recently this is just a process of doing the same thing with different people every week, almost, right? Like it's just you do the, I do the same thing, but you change. Like the person on your end changes. It's like having so, sex with many different people. You're still the same person doing your same old shit, and yeah. the other person's bringing the the newness to the game. The, the variety <laughs> to the entire situation. Yeah. Yes. I I feel I I was gonna go with it's like a meditation, you know. Yes, but it's this, also this like also a meditation. <laughs> Look, if you take sex seriously enough, it's like meditation. Okay. 
that i would not know about i also don't know what i'm talking about half the time <laughs> but, you know last time i was watching for uh, for the for the uh, dare i call it research for this uh, i was watching one of your news laundry wala interviews uh, oh, that you did oh yeah that was four a years long back. time ago yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the yeah your book had come out and half your mouth was swollen and uh, uh, frozen it was the and worst <laughs> fucking interview ever like as in i i'm very fond of the news laundry people so that was obviously i knew it was going to be in that way like a f- yeah. perfectly fine interview but i didn't realize i was going to be so out of it in terms of like i, I do you know that i was drooling during the, like i was drooling i was <laughs> because you drool when you've got so yeah, much yeah, novocaine yeah. in your fucking mouth from a dental procedure yeah. and i like oh my god it was the worst <laughs> and also but you the, made it yeah. you made it through all right i think it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, not totally. so bad uh i remember he was he was asking you this question about does your does your husband not mind the jokes you know and it and it took me back to the same thing with my parents where you know because our answers was obviously the same because it's always the same with comics because it's not my dad i'm talking about it's yes. it's dads and yes. this my dad is a stand in for dads absolutely uh, and but like you know what about when it is real Okay so Does here's the thing you know but that was a fair question because see the thing is i think when it's when it's stand up comedy it is totally a stand in for husbands so i've had that experience where after a show a couples have come to me and like whatever they've laughed and the husband's always been like the, the man of the couple like the male ver- he's like your husband's a very brave man and i'm like no you ass i'm talking about all fucking husbands why do you think yeah. your wife laughed so fucking hard it's not like a specific <laughs> thing my husband does it's like all you guys do the same fucking shit yeah. so none of you are liberated no uh, so uh, it, that's true that part's true but the thing with the book i think is that those were specific anecdotes that i wrote and so a few of them but very few of them um would have been like me like making fun like directly of my husband so uh that that's different so you know it's also then i guess the kind of different like now you're writing an album right so i mean it just depends on what it is you're doing the medium the medium sometimes makes the anecdote more specific but you're yeah. right in stand up of course we're going to draw specifically from our lives and our experiences yeah but you know we're always talking to a broader picture of relationships right yeah the masala is always whatever works for everybody you know what yes. i mean like the of tomatoes course. are my from my garden but yes. i'm still using garam masala that everyone likes absolutely yeah. yeah 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 was it like when you were doing you started off in i think you were doing what did you start in sofa that's what oh I, that's God. the first thing i need to know because I, after that you went and started selling credit cards so I did. So okay, so I did economics and suppliers. And by the ah, way, no wonder. Understandable. No, and, no, it's and okay. And here's the thing. <laughs> I was never I was like the least academic kid. Like I was always in trouble in school. And when mm. when I say in trouble, I was like in in serious trouble. Like I even had to leave school after the 10th and go to another school and like mm. that kind of kid. and my par- i remember my parents wanted me to do drama they were like you should do something to do with performing arts because you you know you like that that that's the one area where you seem to take it fucking seriously and mm. i remember thinking if they think i should do it i should not do it <laughs> like literally that was now when i look back on it so economics was like a rebellious decision that i'm going to do something that you people don't think i can do and sure yeah. enough i couldn't do it i was horrible at it 
I was bored. I was bored. It wasn't that I was horrible. I was just bored. And um, I I ended up befriending the two again by coincidence, like just the two smartest, like the toppers of our class, like the two smart chicks who knew what they were doing became my yeah. friends for some reason. And I would just cheat. I would just fucking cheat. <laughs> I just cheated my way. I had to. I mean, like there were some subjects I didn't have to cheat in, but like I had to cheat more. Like I was upset that the final year quest like was a general like a all Bombay University exam where I was sitting yeah. next to some rando I didn't fucking know and quite far away from him as well. So I had to study, but I didn't care. And so. Uh, yeah, and so then I ended up just doing whatever, right? And that's the kind mm-hmm. of life that happens to you when you don't give a shit about your studies is that you end up taking a job that you get because just it was you applied and you got it and that was kind of my life. How, what was Sophia's like then? Because, so I don't know if you know this, but I got my start at Kaleidoscope, the college fest that Sophia's does. Really? Yeah, so it was I 18th f- August uh, 2011, I was there and oh, that's when I started. Oh, you're such a baby. I oh, was, I was like... <laughs> 1990 uh, 90 to 93 is when I was in Sapphires. Were you yeah, even fucking born then? You, I was born when you were graduating. Oh my god, that's wild. <laughs> that's just wild. Uh, okay, so um, I was the head of security for Kaleidoscope two years running because I was so fucking good at it the first year. So aggro. Oh wow. <laughs> and see, here's the thing. Like, I was, I was good at some other stuff but I just would not take part. I was like... I'm not, I'm not going to take part with these lame fucking pansies singing and fucking dancing and then and, <laughs> and being in drama and oh, I had such a bad attitude. Um, Bombay was, I think, different. It wasn't Sapphire's was different. I think, I think, you know, firstly, it was a women's college. So that's interesting. Um, I remember my cousin. Okay. So when my mom and dad were like getting uh, ready to send me to Bombay, my dad's family is from Bombay. He grew up in Bombay. And so my cousins live in Bombay. And one of my cousins, he told my mother, he's like, you know, don't put her in Sapphires. She'll become a slut. This was, oh. these, these, he was, he was like 18 at the time. Like he was in HR college or whatever. And he knew oh. everything, right? So he was like, don't do it. You know, she's going to become a slut. And then I had my dad's brother, his eldest brother, who was like, no, 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 she won't become a slut. She'll become a nun. Like, don't put her into Sapphires. She'll become a... So these were the, the the male figures of my family were like, one was like, she'll become a nun, don't put her there. And the other was like, she'll become a whore, don't put her there. And uh, I feel like I was somewhere in the middle, you know. Yeah. Morning. Was, there, was, there, was, there was room for temperance in the Vaz household as well. There was. You Both know? my parents were like, yeah, I think we'll take our chances. Yeah. Uh, so because it was a woman's only college, there was definitely the nun aspect, you know, it was very strict. For, and I was in the hostel. I wasn't even right. a day ski. Right. Uh, I was in the hostel. So there was definitely a lot of strictness. And then we were all fucking fudging local guardians letters and partying. But Bombay yeah. itself was a different, um, was a little bit different. And also, I feel like things have just gotten better, you know, like I think there's just more opportunity and there's more stuff. Like you said, you know, you got your start in Sapphire College doing, do, doing what, by the way, doing comedy? Yeah, my first time doing stand-up was there. I mean, I was always I mean, part of Kaleidoscope We didn't even have college. stand-up in those days. Like, that wasn't yeah. like... We had one drama thing, one dance thing, some a lot of singing, obviously, a lot of music. 
it was a lot of music like i remember those days like every every festival was like more a music festival and maybe some artistic stuff here and there and a little bit like one drama thing and dance but it was oh. dance and music as i say you know same but yeah. there was nothing else no spoken word no none of that shit that you guys have now but you were in bombay for some pretty hardcore stuff like you were there through the 92 93 you were there in yeah right like how yeah. I don't know what it was like for somebody who was a student in a hostel at that point. Like I know what my family was doing at that point as local residents of Bombay. Yeah. But what was it like as a kid? So I remember what happened. I remember the bomb blasts. Okay, so it was my final year of college. So I was loitering around the hostel, and I was talking to this friend of mine, and sudden, and we heard this like low but like boom. You yeah, know? and. I remember my reaction was are you fucking like serious are some assholes like you know like fire like what the fuck is this firecracker motherfuckers like I was like I just one of those aggro people just like you know like get lit over the light like stupidest thing and she was mm. like yeah weird man and like in the middle of the day and like whatever and then we carried on and within an less than 25 30 minutes mm. we started to know that there was some shit going down and it was really bad so they locked the hostel they were like okay everybody who's in the hostel fucking stay here and start contacting your local guardians to let them know you're okay so i just remember i remember we had one phone in the hostel okay one of those pay phones yeah. We, yeah we had one pay phone that day we were allowed to use the uh, the main hostel line downstairs i think for free but the way we all use the pay phone also is one person dropped a, a rupee it cost a rupee to make a a yeah. rupee coin in there and then we wouldn't hang up fully we just do like the and then the next yeah. person make the call and like there were 50 of us standing in a row like just calling our local guardians to let them know that look we're fine we're fine we're fine and that was it and then it was like you know because nothing happened to me and we were so young and kind of stupid it was also kind of like a bit of an adventure in a way they locked college down yeah um they got all the girls back like none of the hostel nothing happened to anybody that i knew um and then the next day onwards the city was on fire i mean yeah we just were watching um uh, i don't even remember watching news coverage i don't even we didn't have a tv or anything for the girls um so we were just it was i don't even think we got newspapers for a couple of days mm. um the food fucking started to run out that was one you know i don't know if you remember but the, like the shops were closed um they couldn't do any delivery services into the the hostel I remember there was a meeting for food like rations where we were told look guys we we all going to be on lockdown for a week so there was stuff like that that was happening that felt very like a wartime situation yeah um i feel like you know back in the day also there were no cell phones and you couldn't whatsapp your parents and they couldn't call you and yeah. um so it was you felt but then we were all together also so you felt safe But the one thing I remember was this one girl who came to the hostel in like the dead of night. She showed up the next morning. We we didn't even know her. A few girls knew her because uh, she was in sociology. I remember that uh, Muslim girl wear, who wore a burqa. She didn't wear a burqa. She wore like a, 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 a she wore a scarf. She wore yeah. a, a baya and um, a baya and hijab. Like she would yeah. wear uh, the gown and the scarf. And she she was our age. Finally, a student. and she was the closest i came to like tragedy because her family had to leave 
under the cover of darkness like the worst possible circumstances her mother her father and her brother had to literally run away and she was put into safaya college hostel because she had her final year exams to complete and they wanted her to finish finish that yeah and i remember afterwards thinking you know we have such a bad fucking attitude like i've noticed this one thing and again i don't want to make this political obviously and it's not political and it's not about religion it's just about our weird fucking biases that you know we always thought like if a girl wears an abaya and a headscarf like she won't even finish college she's going to get married and here you had this family that was in such a fucking chaotic condition but their big thing was this girl's got to finish her fucking exams like we want yeah. our daughter to finish college you know in peace right. and so she came to the hostel and i remember she was put into the room next to mine because that room had only one girl and so she shared with her and i mean she had frightening stories man so yeah, yeah. and then i think everything kind of went back to normal like bombay does in x number of days like, like i feel in days, 10, yeah. like 10 15 days like it was like it never happened or something but that's us as a country right like that's that's always been us partition happened and then we just kind of you know got to it because we had this whole country to take care of totally like we don't we don't deal with shit we just kind of like chalo chalo ho gaya abhi let's let's move on to the you know it's like a culture of repression almost yeah. do you, do you feel like the discourse around all these things has changed over the years like when what was the discourse in colleges like when there was communal tension then so you know i like, remember having this really big fight with somebody when i was in uh, okay so the bomb blast happened in 93 early 93 i feel like and then ram janmabhoomi like the uh, demolition of the mosque happened the, the was, winter before right yeah okay yeah a f- very good friend of mine came to visit me and i mean like we we were all college kids hanging out right so this guy came to visit me and a couple of our friends and we were all sort of sitting together hmm. in the college and or wherever we were and talking and i remember he told us very fucking proudly that you know my uncle has given leave to a lot of his factory workers to go to uh be part Ram, of the demolition yeah. yeah to ramandir to be part of the demolition like it's our belief that it should be done and of course you know me and another friend of mine was so stunned by this and we ended up having like this fight with him but we didn't fall out with him i mean he didn't give the permission he was just telling us about what his family was doing and we ended up having like this argument and i don't even remember whether he argued with us it was more like he told us this information and we just freaked out and called his uncle names or whatever and i you know my experience of life with all these things is also weird like i come from this family like my dad's sister is married to a muslim and so i have muslim cousins because you're a you're a defense kid right like i mean yeah. to a great extent i am you know, i'm completely a defense kid completely yeah. a defense kid and even well, like yeah. i said my family dynamic is very much that it's mixed so i think for me um that was a moment in time where i had a couple of like actual relatives that i was worried about but again not worried about because they lived in bombay and they lived in bandra and then you sort of think that we are not like that and it's outside you know um yeah the discourse was not the, it wasn't the, that open the reason i ask is because i like everyone around me right now is all like oh man everything is so binary now 
and i kind of you know sometimes i read old newspaper headlines and i feel like i think it was always binary only is this that it's now you have instagram oh to i was just going to say that i think that yeah. it's all these things are always the at a larger level these things are always binary hmm always i mean i don't know anything that's not like i think even i lived in the, in 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 the states for a long time and issues there were very you know they would polarize people but right. um i think it has it appears to look worse right now because of social media and mm. because we pay so much attention to social media yeah all right you know i was just go- i was going to ask you this the last time abhi ye beech mein sab troll bill kiya sabko yeah. did you did you just switch off your twitter for a week and chill or did you reply to people no so the funny thing is i went off twitter about a year ago because i was going through my own personal shit had nothing to do with uh, any trolls or anything but facebook and twitter i was like i'm done for now i can't be bothered i, I don't want to have one extra thing to worry or think about and i'm just yeah. going to be like fun on instagram and then i came back onto twitter this year and within a couple of weeks all this shit happened or months or whatever it happened so this trolling yeah. happened and i I didn't switch it off Akash because I think like I said you know I was you were born the year I graduated college and I think being 47 years old sometimes does make things just not that fucking scary anymore uh, mm. or that intense like you know I talked to a couple of people like I talked to Agrima and she's like a young woman like I think about her getting rape threats and me getting uh, the same threats it's not it's not cool but it's also not the same thing right and I think um there were a couple of things one is you know the trolls didn't know physically where any of us were yeah which is very different from when all of us were going to live shows yeah. so there felt like less of a panic in my heart and I didn't go off it and I wanted to see what it was that was going on because it wasn't only trolls it was also it felt like a lot of people were who had like hundreds of thousands of twitter followers and seemed to be like I mean Ashok Pandit like random people like some lawyer guy with like hundreds of thousands of followers is like I'm going to file an FIR against Radhika Vas I'm like do you think anyone cares I did call a lawyer friend though that's the one thing I did do I'm like look I just yeah. want you to look at this stuff and just tell me am I in any he's like no 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 don't worry about this and he explained it to me very calmly he's like look first of all they everyone can file an FIR until the cops actually contact you it's nothing exactly and even if they do contact you they're just contacting you to let you know this is happening at which point you are allowed to go and you haven't killed anyone so it's not that yeah. type of an FIR you go you hire a lawyer and then we'll handle it and he said you know they're trying what are they filing it even for there's no grounds and he explained to me that you know a lot of this stuff is it's very hard to prove malice like how are you going to prove that i have malice towards hindus how are you going to exactly. prove that So I'm married to a Hindu like how, how do I bear malice to an entire group of people so whatever so once I had that one conversation I stopped feeling like any any weird like any fear and I think then it just became me just fingering some of the trolls back and I would check and see so if someone had like one follower zero followers and hadn't got ve- then I just knew it was either some sort of bot or part of some troll army rubbish and I wouldn't care But yeah, yeah, and it all died down in 10 days. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's But the that's the uh, that's a resounding thing, right? Like you are not you are not more important than the news cycle. No yeah, matter no. what you've done. Of course not. And and I think that like I said, you know, you also have to we all have to look at what we're giving importance to in our lives because I think if you focus a lot on social media and what's going on there, then it does become your world and it can start to get very intense. 
Yeah, um, yeah. But if if we don't only look at social media and we get our information from the rest of the world, you know, more in, you know people and experiences mm-hmm. and talking to people. So, like one of the things I did a lot of before I, we all got locked down and life became this weird fucking cloistered existence was, you know, like you talk to people who aren't you about who's in, you know, the government. You talk to people who aren't you about about stuff. And even though my Hindi is weak and shit like that, I'd always like try and engage like my cleaning lady or my cook or anybody like an Uber driver. And, you know, I think because I'm a woman, they don't feel like, oh, if I tell her this, she'll get angry and beat me or something like that. They're like, she can't do anything. So I'll just tell her. And I'm not going to start fighting with the Uber driver if he has a different political view from mine, but I just want to hear it out. And it's interesting because he and I don't belong to the same group of humans. We're not going to have the same criteria when we make choices. So I feel like, you know, when you just broaden your horizon a little bit, everything starts to fucking calm down a bit. But when yeah. everybody's on the same platform and you're all following each other and you've got sort of the same assholes following you and abusing you and you're following the same, you know, you're self-selecting. I'm going to follow all the people who think like me. I'm not going to follow a bunch of people who think the opposite of me. So, yeah. and again, that's probably a good idea. Like I have friends who follow, you know, who do take, go out of their way to follow people who have a very different political view from them. But I'm like, I already know those people exist. Why do I want them on my fucking Instagram feed? Yeah. Well, my logic is, uh, I, I, can't, I stopped following anybody, almost anyone I know personally. Like I only follow you know, people who I don't thing. know. I actually like yeah. that. Like, I feel like Instagram for me is like my Facebook used to be, which is a lot of my friends and stuff like that. But right. I almost feel like uh, with Twitter, I I don't have that many friends on there. It's more like, okay, people that are in comedy and news and that kind of stuff. Actors Abhi or to, whatever. Was it? Why did you move back to India? Well, who does that? That's a bad move. Why, why you did? I know. Why Especially I when, as an improviser, I mean, have some shame. What prompted you? I know. <laughs> and, and back in like the early 2000s, right? Like No, 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 no. I moved back to India in uh, 2013. I moved That's to even worse. I know, I agree. Um, my husband and I talk about this a lot because I think, um, you know, we felt like, I'll, I'll be honest, I felt like I had a better chance of making uh, financially, I still worked by the way, I mean I was working, um, I had a job till I came back in uh, December of 2013, like literally at the end of the year and I had a job in New York um, until almost the middle of that year What did and you do? so I worked for an insurance company brief. Uh, I worked in advertising for a really long time and then I worked in insurance. Yeah, yeah. I've been married yeah. now for like 15 years. Was that a love marriage? It I mean, was. I don't think that's a it stupid was. question asking you. Knowing no, no, you, no, I don't think... No, no, it really was. It was yeah. a love marriage. <laughs> it is now a hate marriage. <laughs> no, no, no. But, not no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, I, I think a large part of our moving back was, you know, financial... Uh, I I did believe that I could uh, at least not have to work a day job as a comedian in India I would get 
you know, I was already getting little offers while I was there to do like a little corporate thing here, corporate thing there. And yeah. you know, that pays something, man. It's not like, you know, yeah. you can, you can live, you can live, you know, I'm not saying uh, it's amazing, but at least I didn't have to take on another job. So that was, I mean, my, the driver. And I did also believe that there was something going on here that was kind of special. And, you know, there are a lot of women in New York itself, just that one city, who um, who talk about stuff that I was talking about. But when I came back to India, I realized, especially at the time, it's you changed are, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely changed now, and God bless that. But yeah. at that moment in time, it was a bit of a, a, a splash of cold water, in a sense, to hear a female say whatever I was saying. It isn't anymore, and that's the way it should be. Uh, but yeah, in that which moment, is, it's it was. so, so interesting. Hmm. Like it's interesting to me because yeah, every so that interview that I see of yours, okay, it's like, and this is one thing I've noticed with a lot of, or, or, a lot, not just female comics, but male comics, just a lot of comics. I see the old interviews, and the fucking interviewers are asking all the fucking wrong questions. Like I'm like, I've met this person in the green room. There are way more interesting things to talk about here than what is it like to be like? Why are you talking about sex? What is this boobs? And like, it's just like fucking. Can you can you can, you know what I mean? Like, it's how is that the most important yeah. thing? Can we talk about technique? Look at the yeah. technique. मतलब बबला बोला पर कितना मास बोला यार तू जरा वो तो देख लाइक कितना सही टेक्निक है and it's i don't and, you know, think you I, know what it hmm. is though no but no no but i'll i'll i do i i i thought about that too but i i do think that one of the issues is that the art form of of stand up comedy is so nascent uh, in hmm. a lot of ways okay and especially the way it's being done now that uh, we don't have a big group of journalists uh, covering that it's yeah. not like you have experts in the area like it's very unfair almost to judge because you know like think about it rolling stone magazine okay how and, and that's like the most like fucking mainstream now there are these niche magazines and blog sites and journalists that are interviewing musicians and they have so much info they're like musicians themselves almost or they're like comedians themselves almost so we don't have that yet but it's developing and that's why sometimes these types of interviews are better done by comics or by people yeah. who are doing it yeah. themselves yeah i think it's also like a, for me to the whole fun of this is like almost it's almost self documentation like i have full intent to come back to you in 3 years and have an interview again and just be like hey man it's been a while yeah. you know let's let's go over everything oh, totally. again once yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so you got married in the states yes i'm just trying to clear timelines because i fucking suck at remembering yeah, yeah, stuff yeah yeah please okay so you went uh, you worked here then you went there you studied theater there then you got married there then you came back and what does your husband do okay so basically this is what happened no so i was in my, my husband and i met in india we okay. met in bangalore uh, uh he, he was i mean we were how old would we have been 26 or so so around 20 uh 6 we met we both lived in bangalore at the time and then i moved to chennai because i got a job in chennai so yeah. i moved to chennai I worked in advertising i was there for 2 years during my second year in chennai he moved to the states so he moved to new york and it was then you know big why doesn't he want to marry me the whole nine yards and uh, he didn't want to fucking marry me and then i was like okay i'll just go to america i'll just show up over there and then he'll have to marry me <laughs> that was my that was my agenda so i right. i i went to america i went to syracuse university for a year because i got in uh, because it was you know i didn't i didn't have 
relatives in the states so i didn't know anything about the states at all right so uh, the only thing i did know was people go and study there like a lot of graduate students right right so i i had a friend in advertising in chennai who uh, had got into university of texas in austin into like an yeah. advertising master so i was like oh there is such a thing so hmm. i just basically went on uh, went to the american consulate in chennai and okay. i leafed through their college like brochures and i found four or five places i applied to them i got into two uh, i got into all actually but i i got aid from only two and i took the one that gave me full like financial aid and i went to syracuse university to do a media studies program that's and way harder than it sounds you're making it sound like ah, i woke up and i no, brushed no, no, my teeth no, no, and no, went I totally, to the states no 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 i mean it was horribly hard and you know everything that you do in your 20s is harder than anything you'll do after that but you do not even pay it any attention you're just doing it because you're young and you're dumb and you're full of calm and you just want to go right so uh i i don't know how i did it because that i studied it describes me GRE. exactly yeah that describes you i know uh <laughs> and uh, i i did the gre and the tofel and the this yeah. and the that and anyway so i get my ass to new uh, to syracuse and then then i spent that one year basically looking for an advertising job in new york and then i moved to new york and then 3 years later my uh, deepak and i got married and then we lived there for many years and around the a year after i moved to new york so in 2000 and i moved in 2000 so 2002 I started just doing improv classes um for fucking because everybody in New York like anyone I know was doing something else like I'd go to a dinner yeah. party or I'd go out and everyone would be like yeah I'm really passionate about this and I'm doing that and I felt like a chut yeah I'm like I'm going to the gym maybe and going to work and I barely have any friends here and I'm in New York and what's the point and so I was like I'm going to do something I'm not going to be boring anymore and embarrassed of myself and so i was like oh i want to do acting classes i remember thinking that and so i went to a school that a friend of mine told me about indian guy who i'd met uh and i i ended up accidentally i went to the so i went to the school to get a brochure and i and there was a big poster of this woman from la who had come and she was doing improv classes and they were like really publicizing her classes and she was doing a free class that night and i ended up taking that class and i'm like oh, fuck this is awesome and it just sort of like i got into it from there yeah and then this is 2000 and you said uh, this was 2000 and like i want to say 2003 early 2003 maybe like it was cold so it was either late 2002 or early 2003 sort of like that okay. winter oh man i'm just trying to pan what i was doing and i think I, I don't even want to okay you were actually I was doing I was off. doing cool <laughs> shit no I was doing actually pretty cool shit huh? I was in 2002 I was 9 years old and I went to Europe to do dancing that uh, is as part of a oh yeah, as a folk dancer like a really imagine like a really short really chubby gulab jamun kid you know with the skin tone to match and just like dancing like kohli style and I used to do all that as a kid that is solid so that is solid I used to do bhangda and then they used to make me the bell and all it was quite fun uh, that's <laughs> Was it? Uh, you must have done the clubs in New York. Like, must have, you must have been doing the open mic while I run there uh, at first. No, I didn't do any like open mic thing because I didn't want or to do just stand improv. Up. It was just mm-hmm. improv, and uh, then I, I think I did improv straight for like, you know, I was working full time as well. So I think I kind of did improv just 
and I never thought I would. Can I be honest with you? I started doing improv, and I I did improv straight for like maybe two three years. I started doing sketch comedy. That was when I started to. You feel had like that series, no? Shugs wala. Shugs and Fats. I did late. Yeah, exactly. Shugs so and that Fats. Was part and Shugs and Fats. So that was part of uh, writing sketch. But I started probably writing sketch around two thousand and five, two thousand and six, like really getting into it, and it was like. SNL and Mad TV and like uh, going to UCB and watching like Aziz Ansari and his sketch group and feeling like fuck who are these geniuses and uh, whatever not Aziz but like everybody him and him and everyone else but yeah. like I got into sketch and it was around then that I started to think oh like you know people do this you know people regular people actually finally can can do this and so. I started tentatively, sort of like taking, doing more stuff like organizing shows and uh, you know, like when you start out, right? Like you organize your own fucking open mics, and we were organizing yeah, yeah. our own, like not open mics, but like sketch open mics or whatever, yeah. monologue open mics, and you know, all of that stuff. So I started getting it into it around two thousand and six or so, and um, I also started teaching improv around that time. Right. But I always felt like I would be very sort of cottage industry level, you know. Like, and I feel I feel like that about myself even now. Like, I feel like it's always going to be more like um, more intimate, like um, kind of on that scale of intimacy. And I really enjoyed it, I have to say, um, because I don't know. I guess I was meeting all those people. You know, it's the first few years of what when you're doing something that you fucking love, and it's so yeah, magical, yeah. man. Um, and Everything feels fresh and new, and you're always thinking about it. You're not jaded yeah. at all. And uh, I took a lot of classes at that time, but I never thought of doing stand-up. I only started thinking of doing stand-up after I did my first monologue show, because that's when I realized maybe I can travel to India and perform there. Because at the time we still weren't sure when we would move back to India, and I wanted to perform in India. Only because I just felt like, I mean, that's where I'm from. You know, you can live when you go as an adult. I think to any country, you're always from your home country. So for me, right. even though I had lived there for ten years at, at the time, I just felt like this yearning to be like, I want to go perform in India. I've heard this comedy there, and I want to go see what it's like. And I feel like I can have something to say. Uh, and I want to say it there. So I came and did my first show in India. I think in 2011 hmm. or something like that, 2010, 2011. And the only reason I got into stand up was because every freaking journalist again refused to call it a monologue show because it was a monologue. It wasn't stand up. Yeah. But they just called it stand up, and it got promoted as stand up because nobody knew what else to call it. And yeah. I just became a stand-up comedian, and then my second show, and since then, I think I've kind of uh, been like, okay, fucking own it then. Like, I guess that's what you do. Yeah, but like, do you remember the last time we were on a lineup together? Wasn't it? I think it was Gurgaon, I think, or was it Mumbai? Canvas. It was a canvas only. I remember. I feel like I did your open mic at Social. हाँ, वो सब तो ठीक है, but like yeah. as a weekend. May have been Gurgaon. No, may have been Bombay. Yeah, I I haven't performed you in Gurgaon doing, for the longest time. 
must have been must have been bombay you were doing this bit was it bangalore wait a minute was it bangalore no uh must have been bombay be. no it must have been bombay yeah. it doesn't matter the all these places are shot now uh, <laughs> they're all yes, gone it's uh, so but, fucking true um, it's gone what the fuck you were doing this bit about uh, uh, about fidelity and and marriage i don't know if you remember that bit yeah and you were just workshopping it and i watched it and i remember yeah. i've i've never had such a such a seesaw reaction to a set in my life before because i remember i saw it the first night and i hated it and i didn't tell you anything cuz i was like I, like you know she's a nice person why i, I don't want to yeah, spoil yeah, yeah, yeah. what we have yeah. you know and then i watched <laughs> it the second night and it's like something clicked in my head and i just kind of like synced into it cuz okay. it's you your style has this you have a gravitas to what you're saying all the time so it's like sometimes you're joking and i'm laughing but at the same time i'm also in my head going man but that's like that's fucking serious shit dude like now now i know i'm going to have this in my head for the entire trip back <laughs> and it's not going to let me go and i almost start regretting the ride back home already while i'm laughing at the bit because it's so ridiculously real and and i don't i i, I don't think that's the average that you're taking of an audience and relationship that is definitely personal yeah Right, yeah. like th- it it reaches that point, right? And and so what I'm trying to get at. But is, but but again, talk, do you okay, talk sorry, about this? Uh, so do you talk about this because you're dealing with it? Do you talk about it after you're done dealing with it? At what stage? For, for me, it's like I start talking about it when I'm dealing with it in the right in the middle of it, and then I don't do it for a while, and then once I've dealt with the situation, then I go back to the jokes or whatever the fuck you know but like sure. do you have a limit in your head like where like you're like let me resolve this and then go on stage and talk about it i think if it includes somebody else i prefer to resolve it and then move on so you know infidelity things like that in marriage yeah i prefer that that we resolve it and then i can speak about it because i am not only talking about myself i am talking uh, about the feelings yeah. of another person right um having said that menopause is something i am going through and i don't give a shit that i'll talk about as it's happening and that's why i didn't right. wait on that for example but uh yeah definitely uh, anything to do with my marriage i am going to wait until there's some amount of comfortable distance in my head now i haven't exactly cross checked and that's where it's like have you checked with your husband i don't exactly cross check with him but i feel like you know if i've got some amount of closure on it i i'm pretty sensitive in that way i think uh we do see therapists and what not so i do also know it's it's not like i'm off in my silo doing whatever um i uh, but you know i was just going to say that you know there is the element of specificity that i did deal with that issue um right but what fucking marriage has not to be honest i think yeah. it would be that's bizarre. why they laugh right like exactly so that's why they laugh always yeah so i think that you know some and and i and, and you know what's interesting and and this is why i think it starts to become easier as you get older is that you start to realize everyone deals with the same shit more or less so it's not hmm. some shameful corner that you have to hide in and not talk about it. it's like almost every right. marriage is going to be touched touched by the same shit almost and um, right. if not your marriage then definitely your sisters your brothers maybe your parents um a close friend yeah. so these are not unusual things um i have a friend well i mean hana gatsby did it but i have a friend in new york who talked about being being raped i mean hmm 
she didn't she didn't talk about i mean she talked about a date rape in college and i just remember being having this hey, one second radhika all yeah, the yeah. dogs in the lane have decided to <laughs> i did hear lose that. their shit yeah well i, I don't, I don't know if it's like a gujarat thing you know but like the dogs here <laughs> are really fucking bored dude anybody even walks by they lose their minds I think it's a Gujarat thing. No, I'm just kidding. They're all all dogs. <laughs> when stray dogs, they are waiting. They, they are bored. I mean, they are kind of bored, and I think they are they are waiting for someone to walk by or drive by, and they can lose their minds. <laughs> anyway, ha, huh, you were saying. Um, I've had. I mean, I've listened to sets where you know, like you said, I have a friend who was doing a, a, a set on on being raped in college. College. and mm-hmm. how um she was convinced that because it was sort of date rape it wasn't really rape and sort of her recognition of what had happened to her yeah and i remember the first time i saw the set i was like very quiet after and also thinking of all the things that have happened to me and yeah. to be honest to people i know but mainly to me and i'm like fuck do i have to think about this now like what you were saying you're almost regretting the drive back i was like i'm going to be sitting with the set for a minute but yeah. i think that's somewhat the you know what people ask me what's your agenda when you go on stage i was recently asked that question what's your agenda i'm like my agenda is to make people laugh i mean i know that i talk about a lot of heavy stuff and i know that i skew very much to the personal uh traumas but i still want people to laugh like that i still want that you know and i don't get it every time but i definitely that's still my number one fucking reason like i want if akash is in the fucking i want to hear that ridiculous laugh you know you have a ridiculous laugh and yeah, i want to yeah. hear it like i want to fucking hear it so i feel like no matter what we talk about we still want to hear that yeah i mean we don't really have much of a choice either right like i feel like comedy comes with that uh, precondition uh, yeah. you have to you have to really really fucking hit it out of the park to get away without laughs yeah like yeah like uh, i like that like i so i don't know if this is this sounds nice but uh, or right rather uh, but i feel like craft is creativity with restrictions yeah you know what i mean totally uh, i mean imagine if what, we had no restrictions hmm. it would be like one long boring open mic at some point which is most open mics anyway yes. uh, but <laughs> but they open mics for a reason i think yeah. it's annoying to see a lazy comedian there's nothing more annoying than seeing laziness in a craft you know what i mean it's like i don't yeah. mind seeing someone who's not talented but when you are fucking talented and you know it and you're just not bothering to hone it a little bit like why are you doing that Yeah, I think it's most people don't realize that consistency is more important than talent, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hard work pays off much more than talent does. And I think yeah. I've gone through cycles of taking uh things for granted a little bit, and maybe not because I thought I was good, but more because I was trying to do too many things. And right. so I was like, okay, I have to do all of these things because I need to make the money. So I'm just going to put a little bit less time towards this stuff and it doesn't work like that it just it can't yeah okay off the off the last uh, you know it's it's like the one thing i realized talking to people who doing doing this for the for over a decade is that you don't just do stand up you can't just do mm-hmm. stand up you have to do 5 10 things in order to keep your mental peace around otherwise i think you tend to go a little crazy mm. just telling jokes on stage yeah. because at some point i realized last year ki 
the most conversation I would have was with audiences, not even with friends or family, because <laughs> I was constantly touring. Yeah. And, and you start thinking that that's actually a conversation, but it's not because you know it's not. It's it's a show. And I can't hear you, Akash. You know what I mean? Oh, I th- oh, I ah. you you're stuck. Okay, now you're back. No, no, no. Now I can hear you. Okay, I was saying it's uh, you start to think ki, you know that's an actual conversation. Yeah. The the show that you're doing, and for me it became like this. I got to the point where I, I don't even do material a lot of the times anymore. Like it's now it's just become I just want to go and tell you what happened in the last one week, and and that's today's thirty minutes is that now deal with it. You know I'll I'll crack a joke or two at the end. It'll be fine. I know I'll be fine, but I feel like if I don't force myself to just go and now just talk. I don't think I'm going to get any better. Your set seems to be the kind of set which is genuinely well thought out and written out. You know, I I know for a fact you you have a word file somewhere or a notebook somewhere with words put on in a permanent way, right? I don't know. Is that a I think yeah. Yeah. But it's like it, it doesn't show with the stand up. It it doesn't come across with the stand up in the sense that you're still able to do the thing. Like I know if you just go on stage and start talking about the last week you had, it's going to be hilarious. Right now, I already write on stage and it's a challenge. But you're like writing in a notebook and you're still able to pull it off. Is there a is there something you're doing there? Is there like do you go back to old material in the middle, beach beach me? I'm just I know this is like a weirdly nerdy geeky question, but I just feel like you're one of those people who does it very smoothly and you've been doing it long enough. Uh, it's always a mix, right? Like I think um, the depending on what I want to do. Uh, in the last year, uh, obviously, until this shit happened, everything is going to be in the last year until this shit happened. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start writing new stuff. So okay, so no, no, it's mm-hmm. not in the last year, but there'll be phases where I want to write new stuff, and there'll be phases when I want to just fall back on the old crap and uh and then you know and so yeah so when i'm but but i am a writer so i think i like to uh i like to prepare and you know speaking of nerdy i'm very nerdy i i think i like to write it out and prepare it and i i like to know the order in which i'm going to say the jokes and how they're going to sound and i keep making changes and i have fucking cue cards and it's all there um I do think that improv helped a, because I did improv for so long, Akash. Like that's my base as a comedian. Um, I think, but that's so weird to me because all the things you do in improv are the opposite of the things you do in stand-up. I agree with that. You, you never, I agree with you know? that in terms of as a writer. But I think as a performer, see, stand-up to me is always two things: it's your material and it's your delivery. So, for right. example, I think that someone. Uh, sometimes I watch someone like you, okay, who will fucking not give a shit about material, and you're like just telling people what the fuck happened, and your delivery is so strong that you can carry that off. I have seen people who try to do what you're doing, and their delivery is just not there for that type of material. It's a type of material at the end of the day, talking about your week. Because you are talking about your week, but you're talking about specific things that you have somewhat thought about. You may not have put pen to paper, but you know we all have. Yeah. It's still a way of writing. It's a lifestyle. It's some, <laughs> it, it, but yeah, and I think yeah. that uh, delivery is such a big part of what we do, right? Um, because I've heard some really good jokes. I've seen some comics with amazing 
jokes and really bad delivery. Hmm. I haven't always seen the other way around where someone's got amazing delivery and shit jokes. I mean, I don't know how that can work, but I've seen some comics. If that's that's it's that's interesting you bring it up because I don't think it's possible. I don't right? think because that's possible, even, yeah. right? Even if your joke is just screaming one word over and over again, you really need to know what word so. it you is. You really need to know how to set it exactly. up. Exactly. So I just feel like, like I said, I think that even when you say that you're just talking about your week, I think you've got a strong delivery style. But I think there's something about what you're going to tell the audience that, in some fucked up your world, your mind, there's a there's a method to that madness. There has to be. So yeah, I think in my case, I write it. uh and then uh, so so i think for me what happens is because i've been doing improv for so long there are little things in improv that have seeped into how i deliver material and i think that may be what makes it look a certain way on stage even though it's like i know the lines yeah. and i know every fucking thing and i you know so maybe that slight freshness aspect can come from that do you Why don't you? Did, did the idea come across that India may improve? करके देखते हैं. Yes, it did, but it it fizzled out almost as soon as the idea came to me. I I did a couple of long Why? ago. Was anyone willing to rehearse with you? I uh, think it that's wasn't the even biggest. that. No, no, it was it even it was even before that. So in two thousand and eight, I I came to India and I did. um a bunch of a uh, totally on the down low i only did it in bangalore and then i did it for big fm you remember big fm the radio company yeah 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 so i knew i uh, so i knew the guy uh who uh, is a friend of mine who i i, I can't remember if he was like the ceo or the cto like he was a senior guy at that time with big fm is a very young company and because he was my hmm. friend he was like hey will you do like improv for my radio jockeys because it felt like hmm. a good skill to show, sort of teach them and i was like awesome i'll totally do it i'm coming to india anyway for 3 weeks i'll i'll totally do it yeah. and i remember at the time two things occurred to me and i remember telling him this i was like first of all i don't speak fluent hindi and i think for improv to be really hot in india it needs to be in hindi i really believe yeah. that i I I think that which is still is not amazing. the case unfortunately. Yeah, but I think For that's also part. because there aren't that many improvisers. Yeah. See, stand up comedy has a very specific it's um it's it, it it makes more sense for it to be more popular it's easier to put together you don't have to do rehearsals mm. blah 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 improv makes less money anywhere in the world so that's a starting point okay so it's not that's not going to be different in india but on top of that mm. if you're this niche fucking uh, english speaker it's going to be that much harder so my first reaction and the good thing was big fm had uh multi language and i remember doing a workshop in delhi for uh the delhi office was one day and then the jaipur da 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 offices were the next day and i'm glad that there's such basically smart talented human beings in our fucking country honestly they helped me put the workshop because i remember coming to them and being like okay guys you're going to have a problem because my hindi is not great and you guys are going to all be performing in hindi so we're going to have to work out how i give you feedback so it was a right. thing that happened but it really made me conscious of the fact that for improv to be hot in india it will have to i think be first of all in hindi and hmm. until someone who is a good improviser takes the trouble to start rehearsing in hindi um improv is always going to be super 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 niche and i knew that going in which is why i never even bothered to try and 
even try it uh, i right. always latched on to whoever else was doing improv so i remember kanis and all were doing improv and i was always happy to be invited to their jams and what not but i never tried to do it on my own when you say you're not good at hindi usually like like what is vaz is what your south indian is that vaz is goan and my mom south indian okay. so my dad's goan my mom south okay. indian and that is why they only spoke english at home so i don't really have a strong second language ah that may, that explains it yeah oh no your video has frozen somehow say that again mm. your video has frozen oh <coughs> shit and yours too man Oh oh my connection is unstable it seems you all ordered food Wow these uh, the bandmates have all ordered food it seems okay wait let me i don't know why this is behaving the way it is behaving allow me to fix this uh, Oh okay there you are yeah, here we yeah, are yeah, again. yeah okay done Huh uh ha we were talking Hindi. about Hindi shit Hindi Hindi ha So there was no English uh, Hindi at home, but school में भी there was no Hindi. There was, but I went to Or school in <coughs> the south, and um, it was not a language Ooh. we. Sp- I heard being spoken on a. Yeah. You know, you have to hear a language being spoken regularly to actually speak it well, and to think in it. Uh, so, like for yeah. example, yeah. Uh, now that I live, uh, I married a North Indian, and my mother-in-law and a lot of uh, people decide all speak in Hindi predominant uh, only. And so you know, if I spend a couple of weeks um, with my in-laws, my Hindi just gets better because I—that's all I hear them right. speak. And I love just watching the people behind you, by the way. Um, yeah, I, it's I have given up. No, 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 no there's nothing. I, this it's is the first time somebody's there's movement in my frame. Usually, the other person has either a dog or a cat or a child yeah, or something yeah, yeah, popping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's that was kind of it. And then I moved abroad. I lived in Chennai. I lived in the south for most of the time, and then I moved to hmm. moved to the moved to the states. So I reconnected with Hindi after coming back through my in-laws and whatnot. And um, I'll I'll drift into very like uh, you know if I'm doing a character who speaks in Hindi, I'll take the trouble to like make sure I'm saying the words yeah. properly. I'll check with people and whatnot. But it's not something that comes hmm. super naturally to me, and I don't understand uh. it when it's being spoken at a higher, better level. So if I have to judge for yeah. uh, improvisers. Who are doing a kick-ass scene in Hindi? I can't really tell them anything because I'm not really getting. Yeah. You know, like I, it's tough, man. You 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 know to give feedback. So that was why for me, improv just never felt yeah, like yeah. it would be a thing I'd get into. Right. Hey, just one second. Uh-huh. Can you give the GoPro ka other battery upar se? This is the first time I have uh, uh, shot the GoPro to zero battery myself. I'm very happy. <laughs> You know the the one thing I've learned from this pandemic, above all other things, is that uh, uh, if you just make things yeah. and not worry about how they look or sound at the end, like the audience couldn't care less whether it looks or like a fucking movie or not. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, totally. I I feel like and you know when I first there are there are some some uh, shows. I had a friend who worked for uh, the BBC. Long ago, like in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, and I mean, she didn't even work for the BBC. A friend of hers worked for the BBC in London, and um, mm. she would get DVDs um, of shows that weren't even made yet. Okay, mm. um, uh. and they were like the preliminary uh, recordings of stuff that became bigger shows. 
but it was on the basis of those little recordings that they would choose the talent and the recordings were so bad the sound was shit the visuals were shit but it doesn't matter because you have to be a real dick to care about that at a certain level you know what i mean like at a certain point yeah. like that but that in a way but you know what irritates me and that's why so many movies do so well because they just production values are so good and everything else about them is crap the acting is crap yeah, the yeah. script is shit the direction is boring everything is bad but the production money is so much that people yeah. are like are amazing amaze yeah but it, but you wanted to be an actor also no? like that was one of your that was the plan that was the agenda actually that was the original fucking plan yeah yeah has there been a lot of iterations to plans i think after i mean since comedy became the main plan or is it is it the main plan i think you know again i i didn't necessarily want to write a book it happened because i was blogging and and an editor saw the blogs and said why don't you do this and i did it i have a tendency yeah. to not stick to a plan and I, i i don't know how good that is but in a way it's given me an opportunity to do a lot of shit that i wouldn't have done and learn things as i went along so again you know like you're saying just do it man i felt like that about the book yeah. i'm like i don't know how to write these long format essays but okay let's just do it man um yeah with shugs and fats i mean we just got hold of this we put an ad out or something i can't even remember oh a friend of mine was doing a show nadia was doing a show a play and the uh, the director of the play was like oh i know a bunch of like a, a a director like i know a camera i know a cameraman i know an editor and yeah. we were like let's just do it let's just improvise some shit and see what of course the editing took forever yeah. but you just do stuff and it it becomes sometimes it becomes something sometimes it doesn't and it's cool it it it's always something um i don't know i mean i i think that i'm becoming more and more intrigued right now with being behind the camera like not not behind the camera behind the scenes let's say that so i love stand up okay i fucking love it i mean i never thought i'd be a stand up comedian i never wanted to i used to think they like I I I used to meet stand up comedians in improv classes and think they were the biggest assholes. I'm like these people are uh, yes. they're like so yes. self-centered. Yeah, Represent. self-centered and totally like I had all the negatives, right? And then I started doing it and I'm like oh my god, it is so much fun to be standing <laughs> up there on your own fucking telling people how it is and what you yeah. think and dying and doing well sometimes and all of it like it's all good, right? Um so I think that for me performing is is a true love for sure but I think that this year especially with everything that's happened uh I have always wanted to write f- for other performers so whether it's a play or a TV script or a movie script or some kind of a script situation that requires multiple players other than myself or maybe myself as well but like to try and get into other characters heads and stay there that's something i've not done and i want to do right. that and so that's something i'm sort of putting myself through the paces of right now during the pandemic like every day i'll spend maybe 2 or 3 hours a day reading writing coming you know visual you know just doing exercises from different books and 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 
you know i i've taken some online lectures and stuff about st- this kind of writing it's a different it's a different animal yeah yeah absolutely you know like, i wish i had like your your diligence man like to take like i i can't learn anything in a formal way i've realized i'm very slow as a learner like if i take a course or something no it's always too fast for me i need 6 months to even like grasp oh my god no 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 me like, too me too i'm totally slow like um this is a, a a learning program that i've kind of devised myself and it's it's right. multi-pronged <laughs> it's um it's essays and blogs written by movie makers and writers it's um uh what is it called um it's i i i have the package and i've completely forgotten what it's called but like aaron sorkin and all these people do lectures on that masterclass masterclass, masterclass. um i've taken some stuff from masterclass but not a whole heck of a lot just some stuff but i've also like totally been distracted and watched like samuel l jackson talk about acting in masterclass and i'm like okay i don't want to really do acting anymore but i want to watch samuel jackson talk about anything so um <laughs> i definitely uh digressed a bit here and there i've got a few books that i've gone through i've also feel like you know when you do a lot of stand up you do things like think about you do you know you'll be surprised or maybe you won't but if you were to sit down and write uh, something i think you'd be like oh no i have thought about 10 different characters because i'm watching people all the times to see what the fuck yeah. they're going to yeah. do next that i can talk about yeah. so there are certain things that come very naturally to me um and then there are certain structural things that are just like a chore that i have to watch 10 movies and sort of be like okay when did the inciting incident happen because yeah i'm not going to do a class now you know like or maybe i don't know i'm not going to i'm never going to say never to anything but you're right i pref- i have a more unorthodox sort of way of going about it and then you talk to friends who are already doing that work and try and get their feedback and you know stuff like that yeah it takes about as much discipline as anything else and ever since i become sober by the way i'm talking a lot about like my Uh, like i have addiction issues too which i was totally on a roll fucking doing material developing that bit and then the pandemic happened and i'm like this is the worst year to be sober for one thing and i also i'm having some difficulty developing material in isolation like i don't know did do you do you um, uh, do you also think that bhubneshwar has the best stuff Bhubaneshwar has been stuff. Have you been seeing the Sushant Singh uh, stuff on the news? No, I haven't. I you know what? I I can't. I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm I have a friend who's following it like a fucking ferret and she lets me know when things get out of control, but mm. so now it's his stuff was coming in from Bhubaneshwar, is it? There's some conversation where Riya Chakraborty has said someone has said to someone I'm a bounce. I M M A bounce, and they're treating it like proof that she knew that the check that she was gonna write was b- gonna bounce. Yeah, I heard that one. I mean, I I've given like this is where I've given up. I'm just like, it's like insane. This, but this is so Fox News, right? Like this is scary. It is. Like, but in but in 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 the US, like for Fox News, there is a, what's it called M S N M S M S N B C or whatever uh-huh. is there. यहाँ पे कोई है ही नहीं. Yeah, we don't have a response to that. But uh, the funny thing is, everyone's like, "Who's even watching this? Who are these people who watch Republic?" I'm like, "There are people. Like, why are we always surprised that there are people watching it? There are people watching it. Otherwise, it won't be happening. Trust me." But if there's ad revenue, then it means people are watching it. Hundred percent. Are you kidding me? 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, I was I was enjoying developing material on. So addiction may have been one of those uh, topics, by the way, that I had to fully come to terms with it and start to cross over or make the effort to cross over into becoming sober before I could really start writing about it. Not because of anything else, but because I think I was in denial a little bit about it. Right. So What what kind of drugs are we talking about if you don't know? Oh no, no, no. For me it wasn't anything major. It was just smoking, it was just marijuana and uh, and alcohol, but it was too much. Anything that's beca- that's habitual to the point where it's a dependency is an addiction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't cocaine or heroin or anything, but uh, and it would never have been because I think I very early on knew that I have an addictive personality and God forbid I do anything harder than what I was already doing, it would be the end. So right. I just never, I've never tried it and people don't believe this of me. They're like, you've never tried Coke? You've never, I'm like, you know what? No, I haven't. And I haven't because I probably enjoy it too much. And at least I that is, myself. Yeah, that I, is literally the reason why I've also not done it. That is yeah. the exact reason. I know me, the way I'm addicted to getting on stage, you know, those withdrawals were so hard. You think I could get over a cocaine habit? Not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, yeah. totally. And even like the adrenaline push of going on stage and doing I that. I That had, by the way, become my stand-in for everything else because I was going to any and every open mic. Any, any, I was just, I needed to go. And... Yeah. And then I and then it all stopped so suddenly. It was like cold turkey. I'm like, what is this? What is this feeling what, of no excitement and tension? Like, <laughs> how am I going to live? At the beginning of the lockdown, I was uh, uh, I was think contemplating quitting smoking as well, and I tried also. Yeah. And then I kind of failed very miserably, and my therapist yeah. was like, "Listen, you are already dealing with withdrawal. How yeah. much more withdrawal are you going to put yourself through? Like, I'm not saying don't quit, but wait yeah. a week, man. Give yourself." So, <laughs> it's. It's so interesting because you fa- quitting, quitting is not, I mean, it's also, I think, you know, I, I definitely tried to quit so many times before and it was always me muscling through it. You know, it's like, mm. I'm going to quit because I have the willpower and, and I couldn't. And it, you know, because you're, fa- you know, you have life to deal with and yeah. this is sometimes a little bit of a coping mechanism and to try and drop your coping mechanism in a in in a I'm gonna f- you know like one day you know that same that yeah, that yeah. attitude it's the it's the same uh, concept of I'm gonna squelch this and yeah. it's not a physical thing it's a it's a it's it's a mind thing right so you have to uh, almost figure that part out and so therapy obviously is a major one but you know what really helped me was vipassana. And I don't uh, believe it. I don't believe there's one. Everyone is going to have their own way of dealing with their own things because everyone's things are different. But for me, Vipassana worked because the one thing that they say, you know what Vipassana is, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you know 10 days, 21 days? 10 days, 10 days. 10 days. Hmm. And uh, I did it last year in November. End of November. So uh, end of November, early December. And one of the things that uh, I came away, and I didn't do it finally to quit smoking. I hoped that I would have some insight into myself and it would help. But 
because my therapist had already told me, look, I can't, I remember when I started, I've seen therapists multiple times through my life. So the most recent was in uh, September of last year. And I was like, I need to quit smoking, please help me. And he was yeah. like, okay, I would love to help you. But you need to know now that I don't treat people for quitting smoking or quitting drinking or quitting. Like, I can't help you quit something. I mm. it, it doesn't work like that. So I was like, okay. And in a way, I was relieved. I was like, oh, thank God. I can carry on smoking for a few more months. And uh, are, are you completely sober now? No. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Everything, everything. And the reason I did it also was because... I had done, you know, I had been de- designing these bespoke fucking uh, treatments for myself where I wouldn't smoke, but I would drink. I wouldn't drink, but I would something else. And I would smoke cigarettes. And every everything would was a clear stand-in for what I really wanted to do. And it would become excessive and just not good, you know, at any level. No. So I kind of knew that if I want to really stop, at least for a couple of years... I would have to stop everything so I could even in my head figure out what I was actually addicted to. Like it's not, it's unlikely I'm addicted to all of the above. So, but it's all part and parcel of the feeling. So I I knew uh, that it would have to be everything. And it also just takes your mind off the hassle. Yeah, Like now I know I don't drink or smoke or do anything. So there's no question of this weekend I'm only going to do this and I'm not going to do that and I have to it's nothing I can't do anything it's yeah. that decision has been taken away from me now you know right so uh, in a way it's hard but in a way it's really easy but in Vipassana the thing that really made me feel better was the guy says that you're not addicted to drugs which was like really but mm. he's like you're addicted to a feeling mm. or an and emotion you get it any way you can yeah, yeah, there's two things, but he said that either you'll get it any way you can, or you already have that feeling and you're trying to squelch it with these drugs. So right. you're either got a major aversion to something or a major craving to something, and the drugs are this thing that are acting on both sides. So what you actually have to, to look at is what is that feeling and emotion. And uh, 10 days of silence and really taking it seriously. Uh, help me understand that I have a lot of issues around handling anger. So whether right. it's anger coming from somebody else or my own anger, I, I don't mm. know how to how to deal with it. It, it is mm. a, a, almost like a block. Like anyone gets angry with me or I get angry with anyone, it's a block. It's almost like this is not happening. It's a denial. And anger is a normal fucking thing. Like it's... You have to deal with it in life. Do you cut people off when you are angry with them? Is that your usual treatment for when you're mad? Or do you do you let loose on, on people? When it's you're one angry? or the other. It's always one extreme or the other. It depends on mm. who the person is and what the circumstances are and how comfortable I feel. But both are bad because in both cases, you're not resolving yeah. any issues. Mm-hmm. You're just either repressing yeah. or, uh, yeah. you know, or losing your shit. So I've had a uh, I've had the third experience in this as well. I do the third thing, which is the worst thing to do. I think worse than both of these, which is uh, I I I'll be like it's okay, it's okay, but I'll keep making fucking jokes around it, like because I that's how I process, right? So I'll just keep and I won't let it go. That's a denial you know I mean? in a way, right? Like it's a, mm. you're denying it, but with the moment you deny something, you haven't you're denying it. You haven't let it go. It's not yeah. passed yeah. through your body. Yeah. So I haven't 
found the magic bullet to that yet like i'm still in the process of 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 examining anger and and how to deal with it in a healthy way and how to make it you know a good thing and not a bad thing but right. uh, i definitely realized that that was what the the issue was hmm it's it's also interesting to me that you you said alcohol and pot but uh, the, you use the word drugs to describe both which i think is something that most people don't realize is how much of a psychotrope alcohol is i mean you know people it's it's so normalized uh, uh, totally. you know and in india it's it's in this weird space where it's taboo but it's also normalized but it's and it's always in extremes and yeah. and, and people don't realize that alcohol is a way more violent drug than than even pot is you know i mean oh, even pot with is cigarettes benign. pot is the best one by the way and by the way i stand by that like i know that i i wouldn't want to talk to an 18 year old and be like yeah yeah keep smoking till you pass out but i everything you know you have to know what you're doing in life like you have to grow the fuck up and and recognize your shit that's for sure but if it's between alcohol pot and cigarettes pot any day of the week like it's the best it's the cleanest uh you know if you know your sauce and you're not doing it excessively and you're doing it to socialize or whatever even if you're doing it to think and chill out it's a good one it's actually a good one because it's not harmful it doesn't have um the problem with most pot smokers who have problems by the way and this is a fucking fact is that they also smoke cigarettes they smoke a lot of tobacco in their pot so that's a health issue and then a lot of them are very young and drink as well so if they own if you only smoked pot you'd live into your 80s and you'd be an old hippie like fucking willie nelson and all the sadhus in varanasi and you'd be fine the problem is that our modern day stoners have a plethora of other shit to go along with it that's why they but that's the thing right like that's also why pot gets categorized as a gateway drug yeah uh, whereas i think it's when it's i think cigarettes are really the gateway drug alcohol i think is even more of a gateway drug not alcohol just to other drugs one. yeah alcohol not just to other drugs but other very irresponsible behavior that can harm other people dude i'll tell you one thing most of my friends who i know and and this is nothing to do with this is everything to do with alcohol and drugs so to do with drugs which includes alcohol i think that especially if you're young your irresponsible sexual behavior that can get you long term consequences of disease okay or a unwanted pregnancy and then an abortion and like all the really horrible shit that can happen to a human being happens when you're drunk i don't know a lot of stoners who've had and again stoners like a heavy duty word for someone who smokes pot like on occasion or to have a good time on a on a weekend yeah. uh you know social smokers or whatever i don't know anyone who's got themselves into that type of trouble but drinking mm. has made me do the stupidest shit for sure and i'm i know i'm not alone in that oh yeah i'm yeah yeah and and with alcohol you know i was we, i was discussing this it's interesting because the last episode was, was with cyrus brocha and we were also discussing his alcoholism and 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 that's when i also realized you know cyrus was talking about how he's an extreme personality you know it's either 0 or 100 you know you, there's no there's no room for moderation and i feel like i'm also yeah. that kind of person uh, and and we've all been in these like i don't know if it's ever happened to you but there was a point i remember few years ago where you know it, it started i i don't usually drink because i have depression so there's always that you know i'm i'm going to be very careful and choose when i drink it's only when i'm super happy it's a yeah. very happy occasion that i don't mind drinking mm-hmm. um 
but it was one of those things right like it was like a december and i was like oh it's it's christmas eve you know i i'm i don't i'm not even fucking christian but hey man addictive behavior hurray and you know so chalo christmas ke naam pe ek liter daru piya jaye you know and 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 it and next thing i know it's february oh yeah you know what i mean like and it's been almost every day every other day every day every other day and and i think it, it's so it's encouraged by everyone around you totally uh, and and i think that in that sense pot having stigma is also a good thing because i've been a stoner in my life and and i the 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 fact that if i smoke and go to a meeting it's not going to be perceived as professional has kept me from smoking a lot of times right. but yeah. in this industry especially you are in advertising in the 90s and to the you know what i mean you know dopahar ko 2 baje daru is like an acceptable a uh, uh, situation to be totally. in and i think that's that's very scary to me like the the on with alcohol there is too much liberalness and with pot there's too much vilification absolutely and and actually the more dangerous one to your health is always going to be alcohol and uh, the yeah totally you're absolutely right uh, it's it's unnecessarily tilted in this very stupid way um We get so many of our cues from the West, right? The bloody Western world also has a. Uh, by the way, they Indians, only decided. Yeah, they're the ones who decided yeah. that pot was going to be a problem. We yeah. Indians who smoking pot merit. Like, why is it a bad thing? Like, bang. I mean, did you, you know, know uh, that the British had done a survey in nineteen uh, or eighteen something, eighteen hundreds? Okay, late eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. on on the efficacy of a ban on ganja and what it would do to the country of India. these are the people who banned sati yeah and, and they were they, they said uh, ganja is too integral to the culture and society of india for us to try and ban it okay this is what this is the, yeah okay so i mean it was really in our dna and it has been objectified and vilified to the point where it's like just this i don't know why i said objectified it is an object but it's been vilified to the exactly. point where it's like this monster thing that will yeah. will bring ruin to your family and the you know those old 1920s ads where people smoke pot and then they're eating nasha dirt yeah all, like falling all over <laughs> the place uh i think the word drugs also is got this hard feeling and you know an alcohol just like you said there's that separation and pots fallen into it's a drug it's not alcohol and so it's it it goes along with all the other shit which it totally isn't um you know like i think my mom is one of those people she's not actually but i always used to think that she's like if i tell her i smoke pot she totally knows everything now but if i tell her i'm smoking pot or my friend smoke pot she's going to have like images of like needles and fucking you know and it's true it's unfortunately a lot of people think like that but yeah. you know like i my husband's not an addictive personality and you can he has a drink every evening every evening he'll have a drink but he'll have one drink i can't stop like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, then it's the night like right and then yeah. it's like i can't wake up the next morning and, and then it'll be like knuckling hard you know like being strong about it so i'm not, i'm not going to smoke for uh, the whole week i'm going to drink this week but then i'm blitzed on the weekend and you yeah. know it's like it's too many uh, it's too much shit to keep track of and like i said i'm 47 now there's only so many like come on i have to get a grip what do you tell a 27 year old or a 24 year old dealing with that though I mean, start with counseling. This just start. by the way, not this is not for me. If you're sitting no, here watching this, no, this is not. This is not for yeah. Akash. He's asking for his yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, my my addictions are very much like controlled. I've been in the therapy long enough. I know what I'm doing now, and it's only. I think only, it's therapy. Yeah. 
I, I would, yeah. I mean, anyone who, if you suspect you have a problem, first of all, you probably do. I think that's the ground rule for addiction is that if you think you, if you are making rules around your usage, you have a problem. That's number one. If you're making yeah. any rules around it that you feel you need, like I need to make a rule now that I don't do this during this time or that time. I think that um, that's already a little bit of a red flag. And if you're getting blitzed on the weekends, you're blacking out, you're doing stupid shit while you're drunk or high or whatever, you feel like you need to do it all the time. You know, like, oh, you're calm, you're doing it. You're not calm, you're doing it. Yeah. Just, you know, I think it's important to be just mindful. I think start with, with just being mindful. We were, I was so not mindful through my 20s about a lot of stuff. So I didn't even know about like, I didn't even think I was, I had problems or whatever. I was just, I don't, I can, I can knuckle through this, you know, and I can be fine through the weekend. And then the weekend anyway, we all party and go to work on Monday. It's fine, but it's not fine because it, as you get older, it start, starts being less and less cute. Um, but that's one. That's so interesting that you use that phrase because that's the exact phrase Cyrus used. As you get older, it gets less cute. It's, it's not as cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's, not cute anymore. It's obnoxious. Yeah. And it's embarrassing and it's just not good for you. So I think it's all of those things. But I think a young, I think I'm very pro therapy. And I think anytime you feel you have any heaviness around substances, seek therapy because I think it's really amazing what it can do for you. you yeah. Know? Hmm. Ah, that's such a nice warm note. Isn't it? Yeah. If only they knew you as a person. I know. <laughs> if only they knew us in the green room and the lack of warmth and the... No. I, but I feel like warm. I'm so much closer to comics that I don't know than I am to family that I've lived with all my life. Oh my God. Because of, I swear to God, I literally feel like... I, I feel like I, I didn't say that exact thing, but I was in a... This is three, four years ago in a green room the conversation went from hi I'm Radhika hi I'm so and so to 20 minutes later you know depression uh, <laughs> yeah and Every I was time. like that's amazing that I didn't even think it was weird because I think I mean I've been working with artistic people for so long I think we do all have a connection we understand that we're all probably dealing with somewhat of the same stuff that drives us to do some of this shit and so when it comes up in a conversation, we're not ashamed to admit it yeah, or talk yeah. about it. I think it's also like, it's almost like we're all pretending like, oh guys, this is a joke I'm working on. So I know. Yeah, exactly. And, and we try to like take it out through that. But it's, it's an effective tool. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is therapeutic, I think, a lot of the time, right? To write about. Yeah. Uh, a friend, a guy, I follow this guy on Instagram. He's really funny. His name is Freddie Birdie. He's not a comedian, but he's a writer. And he had, he wrote something, he said, we take photographs of things we want to remember, but we write when we want to forget, which is true. I never yeah. want to forget anything, by the way. Like, I feel like everything is, I never want to forget anything because I don't know when it's going to be useful to me. But I understand what he means by that is that, you know, you write so that you can move through it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 how you process with the process the thing. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's weird how being on stage and telling strangers about it can become a really great way to process a thing. Because for me, it's like I spent so many years 
thinking that I was the only person who felt the way I did. Like that, that, that alienation is so strong that every yeah. time a whole room laughs at the fact that, oh yes, loss. I felt loss. Yeah. You have felt loss. And then it becomes like, I become more confident with my own feelings. And you, yeah. you, you, you start feeling like you're not alone. And no. I think that's the hardest part in today's day and age. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, like, I think just the way the world is and the, tech, the way technology has evolved and uh, the way socializing has evolved, uh, it's, it's so cloistered. It's almost like, you know, in the olden days when I was a kid, you went out with your group of friends and you met boys and you could talk about like, oh, what do you think of him and what do you think of... Now it feels like you're on an app and you still have the same thing. You're WhatsApping pictures and profiles to people, but it's still not it's not the same thing so it can lead to certain in a way it's amazing because I don't know I love everything that's happening now in terms of the dating life like it just feels like there's a movement forward for our society don't do you, do you think that like I don't know I'm not young and I don't date but like do you feel it's more open for women you know what I mean like it's much better for women it it's is much right? better it for feels... people like me who have anxiety who, yeah. who don't have the means to go and talk to a person in public who, uh, without getting an anxiety attack it's, right? it's safer I think uh, it is safer in a weird way yeah I agree like I think a lot of uh, my a lot of old like older people are like you're just going to meet someone online and be like uh, we used to meet people in bars and restaurants and put exactly. ourselves in there so it's the same fucking I, I think it's not less safe yeah yeah, uh, and and I think the people leave a digital footprint uh, way more now than they used to, you know. So this is so true. You, you can look people up, and it's, yep. it's beyond a point. It's very difficult to have a fake profile if you have six years of Instagram. You know, most my yes. generation is that generation. We all yes. had Instagram in our twenty early twenties also. So yes, and in really fact, hard. it's a it's a nice warning sign if someone doesn't have a digital footprint. You're like, mm. I yeah, don't think I'm going uh, on absolutely. this date. <laughs> Plus, like for me, I think the only time I go out is for work. I don't yeah. leave the house unless it's for comedy because it's it's a harrowing experience to leave the house with the anxiety anyway it's gotten better over the years but now though, what does it matter anyway, and and when you go out and you work as a comic the the most people you meet are while you're at work yeah I mean they're there for a show but you're there for work so yeah. I, then you know my dick is off yeah. I'm not looking to meet a prospective yes. mate at a, at my job you know yeah, so then yeah. the only I, I'm a, I crave context so on a dating yeah. app I know the context here mm-hmm. is is very well defined and, and there's no because it really fucks with me the power dynamic you know when you are uh, a fan is coming and being flirty with you you know it it, it feels very fucked up like it, it doesn't weird, feel like right? yeah because it, it took me a little while <laughs> Well, no, but it also, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're single or married. I mean, I think we all know that, I mean, feelings are feelings, right? It took me a while to know, very, I mean, to to even like get that that's the vibe. Like, I, you know, for, for a while initially when you start doing this, you don't think of yourself as a comedian and them as your fans. You just think of them as like audience members who are like, yeah, yeah. maybe think you're quite hot. But... Then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is how you are after, this is, they've been watching you on stage own the fucking room for an hour. Yeah. Of course they think you're hot. Like, exactly. it doesn't, yeah, that's what, that's all that it is. And if they get to know you beyond this, they're going to immediately know you're not hot. And so enjoy this moment and walk away peacefully um, yeah. and be, you know, and be cool, be cool about it. I remember I did a show 
and a friend of mine came to watch it and after that she and I were going to go hang out because this was in Goa and this one guy came to me after the show and he was like where are you staying i want to send some wine i have a winery and like totally charming guy and whatever and i was like thank you so much blah 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 and we left and my friend was like was he hitting on you and i'm like no that's what's called a fan moment and by the way if you had asked me this 5 years ago i'd have been like oh totally hitting on me <laughs> but he's not hitting on me it's yeah. how you feel when you finish watching someone i feel like that like for me that's the feeling i have when i finish watching somebody on stage for an hour i'm like but you know now yeah. i know the difference so you're right it is interesting that you give you you crave context and you get it in today's world you actually know yeah. exactly what's what but can yeah. i tell you something that should have been the way it always was because let me tell you i mean all the shit that's happening now with chris delia and what not like all these guys who've been busy texting yeah, yeah texting their young fucking fans um allegedly um i don't know i feel like you know a lot of us don't have the wits about us ha i mean abhi aap socho achanak tumko aisa sexne ko mil gaya to tumhara dimag to chamkega na thoda to wo to nahi Yeah. But I see. I have. I speak from a place of privilege, right? I mean, I was either always in a relationship, or the anxiety would not allow me to do anything. Yeah. You know, to to uh, try and chat up a girl after the show. At most, I have managed to chat up someone to buy so that they would buy me a beer or something. You know, like I am simple. Like I have. I don't. Me ko six marne ka hi nahi. Yeah. I, and. But I feel like for the for the average person, it can get to you, man. When it's overnight, and another thing is when it's overnight, right? Like when you become huge overnight, that's like it's so hard to get used to. I I am because it it's taken me nine years to get to the point where there are fanboys. I very clearly remember, like it wasn't that far ago, like three years ago only there were no there was nobody there. You know what I mean? I I was here when. I wasn't famous and for oh my god enough. I feel like I've had cycles of that as well like it's been like up and then down again and then yeah. hopefully maybe there'll be an up on something else and then down again so I've definitely had uh I've had the loops as well yeah. you know I uh, in the third episode I think Kamba somebody said yeah Kamba only said he said because comedy is such a, a new thing here everybody judges their sorry their life and their career in 6 months and 1 year and all you know mm-hmm. and and it's it, it's like that's what adulthood is i've i realized now you know adulthood is just basically realizing that life is longer than the next year it's a marathon like you have to keep yeah. reminding yourself it's a marathon it's not a sprint and uh, you got to save your energy and you also have to save your positive fucking attitude because like you said you know the anxiety and the depression and a lot of these things can happen if you pay attention to the wrong things so yeah. I think life is about putting your attention. If I can say what I the the only thing that I think I I struggle with, but I recognize that that's what I need to struggle with is just putting my attention in the right place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oof, more knowledge drop in knowledge like a oh more fucking God. knowledge drop. I can't Damn. believe it. Oh, it's just dropping these tooth bombs everywhere I go. Oof, ये दहशत मच गया यहाँ पे रास्ते ही खत्म हो गए यहाँ के सब. But oh hey, man, man, it has been a great chat. Thank you so much for doing this. You uh, too, Akash Mehta. I hope this felt like everything I pitched it as. It <laughs> did. Oh my God, are you kidding me? I was just looking at the time. I'm like, it's eight o'clock. We've been sitting here for two solid hours, and I didn't yeah. think we'd actually have that much to talk about. I was like, what does he want to say to me? But it's <laughs> awesome. I love I'm it. So I love. I'm glad we I'm did so- this. 
Hey, but thank you so much for coming on, and thank you, you patron, you who is sitting at home and has paid for this podcast to continue. Especially you, you guys, especially you patrons. Yeah, because who who in their right minds allows allows this kind of art to exist? If I, I can even call it art. I know. Uh, that's the end of this episode. We will be back next week with Vidya Desai from the Comedy Factory, followed by Manan Desai from the Comedy Factory. I don't know the order of these. मतलब Vidya is first. I don't know who is after that. And after that, तो maybe the world will end. I'm not sure. So we will see you then. Thank you so much for watching. Okay, bye.